Hi everybody. One of the questions that I get asked quite regularly or comments um, via people who email me is the thought that God hates them. And it's because there's like one tough moment after another tough moment and they think that God is either punishing them or is withholding something from them or they're just yeah, it's just like they're, yeah, it's just hard. And they ask, does God hate me? But so what I, I really want to know more about this situation. So I sit with them uh, at the, the cold face that they're facing, and I want to grow in my knowing of them. And you see, I've got a little phrase that I say, often say to myself um, when listening to people is that no one knows coal like coal miner. Look, I could go to a scientist and get a scientific explanation about coal. Uh, a commodities dealer would tell me all about the dollar value of coal. Someone cooking over a coal fire would give me another limited view. But for me, if I wanted to know about coal, I'd go to a coal miner. One of those old-fashioned coal miners who entered the bowels of the earth and, and dug away and chipped away at the dark. And they come out covered in dust and soot. There's noise, there's danger, fear. But there's like a, a camaraderie with the fellow coal miners. And I think that no one knows God like someone who has been at the dark-faced coal face of life. And I've talked to people who have been at that dark coal faith and learnt a lot. And that's, I suppose, why I'm drawn to people who have been through tough times, you know, chisel away at the coal and face the dark night, darkness of life and find God there with them. It's not the theologians or the pastors that pull me in. More so, it's those who, in the daily struggle of life, have found something like a diamond amongst the coal. And I'd rather sit and shed tears with them for hours because that's where I believe Jesus, the Christ, would be. I wonder if someone wants to ask you the question, does God hate me, how you would answer it. You may well give an intellectual answer, quoting scriptures such as John 3.16, For God so loved the world so much that he gave his only son so that anyone who believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But they are in a dark, dark place and want to know heart truth, not head knowledge. First of all, I think they would want to be known, to have their world explored and not sidelined. Maybe the connection, the word connection is the best word. I would like to know that their understanding of what God, what I'd like to know what their understanding of what God is like and how it was formed. Was it through various church experiences or parental influences? Now, we've all got to start somewhere. So where was their starting point? What winds have blown across their path that has shaped their course? And whenever I hear the words, God hates me, I'm filled with a kind of sadness for the person and the journey they have been on to get to this point of expression. And quoting scripture upon scripture and getting into intellectual arguments very rarely helps. <laughs> this is because they need to hear words from the heart and not the head. I love this quote. Our great problem is trafficking in unlived truth. We try to communicate what we've never experienced in our own life.
Dwight Mooney. And alongside God hates me, other words are often spoken, such as God is punishing me and God doesn't care. And I found that there are at least three ways that people express this belief. Number one is God never answers my prayers. I, I pray for all sorts of things, particularly those that cause me a lot of pain. I pray for others, but those prayers don't get answered either. I pray, but nothing happens. Everyone else seems to have prayers answered for a better life, but not me. God must hate me. God withholds good things from me. The second expression is, God didn't stop that from happening. I've been hurt, and God could have stepped in and stopped it from happening. I've been injured in so many ways, many, many different ways. Where were the angels? Where was the deliverance? All those silly church songs sing about. I feel like God overlooks my struggle. God simply allows terrible things to happen to me. I wonder if God gets some sort of perverse delight in watching me in pain. God must hate me. And the third expression is, I can't reach God's standard. I believe God has a performance standard, and I, I can never reach it. He hates my pathetic attempts. Everyone else is accepted, but I'm not. I try and fail. Then they go on to say other things. Look, I, I know you'll tell me that God is love. I know you can quote all the scriptures about God being love. Then you'll sing all those sappy songs about being God being good. But my reality is that I am in pain. And what relief. I can see right through your intellectualism, head knowledge, spiritual bypasses of avoidance and coping strategies. It's either God is really like Santa Claus, a sugar daddy, or a Disney wish upon a star. God or not. You see, at early age, I was told that I'm nothing. No one. A simple consequence of, of a couple of cells saying, howdy doody. Then out I popped. I cried in pain. And I have cried ever since. What sort of cosmic joke was my conception? I think of the Christ of Jesus hanging on a cross and crying out, My God, why have you detached from me? And the songs of lament and darkness from the coal miners of the Bible sing back to me, I'm on a diet of tears, tears for breakfast, tears for supper. All day long, people knock on my door, pestering, Where is this God of yours? Psalm 42, 3. I have a little sentence that I play around in my head that helps me make sense of things. I'm a broken man living in a broken world with broken people making broken choices. But I am comforted by the coal-faced knowledge of an unbroken God who is in the business of making all things new. I still have the wafts of perfume from the Garden of Eden filtering through my existence. The beautiful sunrise, the bird that sings, a smile on her face, and then, at times, some droplets of joy touch my face, washing the coal dust away. I am caught in the time between Eden and heaven. We are a broken and fragile people living in a broken and fragile world. So, of course, coal dust will clog our arteries. I need others who know their brokenness but have somehow learned to dance. People who aren't happy-clappy or who live in theological fundamentalist squares and boxes. I need someone like Marva. <laughs> I once took a spirit paper called Spiritual Formation. It was a week-long intensive and the lecturer was a visiting theologian called Martha Dawn. And she danced into the week. 
Now, let's be clear. She didn't physically dance. She wasn't able to because of the many physical disabilities she had. And she actually danced into the fullness of God's presence on April the 18th, 2021. But here is an extract from a tribute. Marva Dawn's joy came amid a lifetime of struggles with pain and illness. She faced battles with cancer, chronic pain, blindness in one eye, a kidney transplant, and problems with a foot that made her walking difficult or impossible. And, and I remember watching her hobble to the lectern and clinging to it so she could teach. And words flowed from the coalface. She offered more than 20 books in her lifetime, covering topics like Sabbath keeping, the vocation of ministry, suffering well, and sexuality. And still my favourite is being well when we're ill, wholeness and hope in spite of infirmity. This is something she wrote. We do not understand how God accomplishes us, accomplishes using even our brokenness for the fulfillment of Trinity's purposes for the cosmos. But I am convinced that the Holy Spirit does. Just one little example suggests much wider possibilities than we could ever imagine. Before embarking on one trip for a speaking engagement, I was complaining to my husband because I had a problem with my feet with my feet had been put in a wheelchair. I did not use this specific vocabulary, but basically groaned that my dream of ease while fulfilling my obligations for that particular assignment was shattered. During the conference, a somewhat cynical man came up to me after one of my later lectures and said, I wouldn't believe a word you say, except that you are sitting in that chair. I had too small a dream. I just wanted my life to be easier by being out of that wheelchair. I hadn't asked God to fulfill his larger purposes of deepening someone's faith because precisely because I was in it. Marva Dawn Does God hate you? No, God doesn't hate you. Quite the reverse. There is so much love for you that is vastly more than you could handle or even come into comprehension of. God is with you at your coalface in your wheelchair, and is in the business of making all things new. Here's some quotes. Reality is what we notice on the surface, what we see or feel, what superficial perspectives we might gain, for example, from television's evening news. Truth is much larger. It encompasses everything that genuinely is going on. The reality might be that our world looks totally messed up, that war and economic chaos seem to control the globe. But truth is much deeper, that Jesus Christ is still, since his ascension, Lord of the cosmos, and the Holy Spirit is empowering many people to work for peacemaking and justice building as part of the Trinity's purpose to bring the universe to its ultimate wholeness. The reality might be that you do not feel God, But the truth is that God is always with you, perpetually forgiving you and unceasingly caring for you with extravagant grace and abundant mercy. Not only that, but that the very process of dealing with our lack of feelings and our resultant doubts about God is one of the ways by which our trust in the Trinity is deepened. Marva Dawn One of my biggest problems in dealing with the breakdown of my body is that I keep looking in the wrong direction, 
I look to the past and the capabilities I once had instead of looking to the future and what I will someday be come in the presence and by the grace of God. Perhaps that is the strongest temptation for you too. Unfortunately, our culture reinforces that that mistake by its refusal to talk about heaven. As if it were an old-fashioned and outdated notion. We also intensify the problem by craving present help, as limited as it can be, more than we desire God. A friend once said to me, this is so hard getting old. There are so many things we can't do anymore. I guess the Lord wants us to, wants to teach us something. Indeed, our bodies will never be what they were previously. And we find that difficult because we miss our former activities. But God wants to teach us hunger for him, our greatest treasure. Instead of rejecting the notion of heaven, we genuinely ache in our deepest self to fill that concept with a larger landscape of the joy of basking in God's presence. Marva Dawn. Here's a final quote from Marva. (laughs) In contrast to our society's mistaken emphasis on positive emotions in our relationship with God, the great Spanish mystic and poet John of the Cross, who was famous, most famous for his reflections on the dark night of the soul, also wrote a piece called Advice on Disregarding Spiritual Sweetness. In this work, St. John compliments the person who loves God without feeling any emotional sweetness. For that individual is focusing on truly loving God and not the feelings. To set our will on gratifying and soothing sensations, to concentrate on capturing them and basking in them, is simply to set our will on what God has created instead of God himself. Thereby we turn those created feelings into the end and said, instead of them, a means, and a non-necessary means at that. According to St. John, we are ignorant if we suppose that we that because we fail to have any sweetness or bliss, God is failing us. Similarly, we are instructed if we presume that in having such delectable emotions we have God. But the height of ignorance, he claims, is if we would follow God only to seek the sweetness and consequently stop yearning, our yearning for God to wallow in delightful feelings when we acquired when we acquired them. Marvin Dawn. Boy, that's a powerful quote. <laughs> Here's some question. Have you ever felt that God hates you? What forms you? How would you answer someone who felt that God hated them? And number three, what coalface experiences have shaped your beliefs? Hey, I hope you enjoyed this post. Hey, send me an email. Love to hear from my listeners. It's Barry at turningthepage.co.nz. And just a big thank you to everyone who may slip a couple of dollars into my back pocket just to help the page keep on turning. So appreciate it. Until next time, remember, please, that God does not hate you. Bye.